Hello, 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 and welcome back to your favorite podcast in the world, Miss Congeniality. My name is Eli. I am so excited that you are here, and I am so excited to be here with you today. This is going to be a solo episode. We're going to talk all about the book because I won't talk to you guys again until it's out, and that's just, that's crazy. So... Without further ado, let's let's get into some updates. Let's talk about some things. Everybody wants to know how I feel about Taylor Swift being... Just kidding. Nobody asked. But Taylor Swift is Times Person of the Year. I think it's like 100%. I think that was obvious. I've seen a lot of people complain about it, um, the decision, because they think that with everything going on in the world, there are other people that deserved to be Times Person of the Year who you know, had their lives at risk or, you know, like the journalists in Gaza, for example. And I, I definitely 100% hear that. And at the end of the day, I feel like those people are the person of the year. But I think that we, we tend to forget that like Time Magazine is going to be a capitalist corporation as much as the next person. And they are going to cherry pick like when they're going to choose something political or like social activism or, you know, serious. And when they're going to pick something more fun and that's going to like engage people. And I think that like, that's kind of sad when you think about it, because obviously when you think person of the year, you're thinking of like people that really moved mountains this year. And that's not to say Taylor Swift didn't move mountains, but I think like we all know that there are like very real, very terrible, very scary, very awful things happening in the world. And there are like some real life superheroes that are like saving the day, bringing news, like actually saving people's lives. Um, And that's like incredible. And I think that it's an interesting discourse because it is kind of dystopian to be scrolling the For You page and see so many like fun, happy videos and then see so many videos that illuminate some of the terrible things happening in the world right now. And it's like so hard to navigate. Honestly, like I have no answers. I just thought that the discourse in general was interesting. But at the end of the day, I feel like Time Magazine is sort of like their end goal is capitalism. And so they're going to do what they need to do to get the most clicks, to sell the most magazines, to get the most ad dollars. And like, that's obviously going to be Taylor Swift. And I'm not trying to say it's not well-deserved at all. I've just been thinking a lot about that discourse because I've been seeing a lot of people talk about it. And obviously like in general, it fascinates me when something happens and people have interesting and dynamic takes on it. But ultimately I read the piece. I really liked it. Everyone's asking me what I think about Taylor Swift speaking about Kim Kardashian. And to be honest, like, I don't think it's that crazy. Like, obviously to me, Taylor Swift was going to just like tell the truth about that situation. And she did. She just like told what happened. She didn't really like say anything bad about Kim Kardashian. I also appreciate the journalist was pretty objective because the journalist said, Um, Kardashian wrote in a 2020 social media post that the situation forced me to defend him, which is what I've always said, like was the case. And I just think it's Taylor Swift's right to tell the truth about what happened to her, what she did. And I also think that the journalists like included context and like ultimately like it wasn't really new information to me. That being said, one really interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that I obviously, this is Taylor Swift's truth and I'm not trying to invalidate it. This is her lived experience and it happened to her. I don't remember Taylor Swift ever having her career taken from her. Like, obviously that's how she felt. And I'm not trying to say that's not how she felt. Like, I I feel so scared whenever I try to talk about Taylor Swift. But all I'm trying to say is like, I never, like, I felt the same way about her the whole time. 
Like, I know that there was the Taylor Swift is over party on Twitter. I can't imagine what dealing with that was like. But to me, like, it wasn't like her whole career was ripped out from under her and she had no chance of come back. Like, to me, it was like she took a break and then she came back better than ever. That's just like how I personally felt about it. But that being said, like, I'm not her. I don't live her experience. I don't know like what she was feeling. And like, again, completely valid to feel, to feel like your career was ripped out from under you. Completely valid when you go through something traumatic to like experience it so at such a high level. But I think like from my POV, like I'm glad that she's been able to come back with such grace and strength considering that's how she was feeling at that time. Because from my point of view, I always just liked her the same. And if anything, I like her more now, but like, and and if anything, like reputation was like, when it came out, I feel like I was kind of confused. I was like, oh, like new sound, new vibe. But once it like settled with me, it was like almost instantly one of my favorite albums of hers. Like I remember where I was sitting when I listened to it for the first time. And I just think it's like really amazing how she's been able to come back from that situation. And like so many situations she's felt with so much grace and strength and, you know, charisma, personality, and art, like even more art. And that's just like so, so special. I really liked the feature and I thought it was so well-written, but it got me thinking that I took a profile writing class at Columbia and it was called The Art of the Profile. And we literally like read profile pieces and then wrote profile pieces. And one of the profile pieces that we studied in the class was this profile that was written in the New York Times about Gwyneth Paltrow. And typically like realistically, profiles and features are supposed to be super positive. Like they're not supposed to be like vicious and negative in any way. This feature, it's called How Goop's Haters Made Gwyneth Paltrow's Company Worth $250 Million. It is fascinating. This, like this journalist, you cannot tell if they hate her, if they love her, or if they're just like telling the truth because she's just, it's so intense. It's like an absolutely brilliant piece of journalism and I cannot recommend reading it enough. Like the Taylor Swift piece is a beautiful piece of writing and it really illuminates Taylor Swift so beautifully and wonderfully. This piece about Gwyneth Paltrow is a piece of motherfucking journalism. You're like, does this person who's writing this hate her or love her? Or is this just how she comes off? And it's so brilliant because like, it's so critical of Goop and GP but it's also like leaves enough room for the readers to like come up with their own POV on the whole situation. I don't know. I thought about that a lot yesterday because I love profile writing and I thought maybe you guys would think it was interesting because I thought it was so fucking interesting when I read it and I had to reread it again because I was just like, God, this got me thinking as it always does about profile writing and missing journalism. And I've been talking to so many journalists lately for like PR for the book. And I just, I love a journalist. So anyway, if you like reading and you care about that piece, you should definitely read it. It's awesome. Speaking of reading, I finished Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. It was my first Tom Lake, uh, or it was my first Ann Patchett book. And I really liked it. I think Ann Patchett is a beautiful writer and I look forward to reading more of her writing. I will say I didn't find it to be the most engaging book I've ever read, but I'm somebody that can really rely heavily on character and prose over a desperate need for a very flashy or exciting plot. I would say the plot isn't that exciting, but the prose is beautiful and so is the character work. So if you like, I don't know if you like like a little women 
I think you'll really like it. And I recommend it. I'm curious to see what I'm going to end up reading next because I haven't started anything. I bought Barbara Streisand's memoir. So we'll see if I decide to read that. But ultimately I haven't like gone for, I haven't gone for reading anything else um, in, in the, in the days after finishing Tom Lake. I usually like to leave like a day or two between finishing a book and starting another one just to like cleanse the palate a little bit and then decide what I want to read. I hate abandoning books, but I will do it if that's what it comes to. I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way, but I always will abandon. I will choose abandonment if I have to. I finally chose a show to start watching. If you've been following me on Instagram and keeping up with my stories, I've been like trying to figure out what show to watch that's like not violent, like basically that has like nothing bad in it whatsoever. And I've settled on um, the morning show. So obviously that has some bad stuff as I figured out after watching one episode. But I am kind of, I think I'm going to go forward with it and then I'm going to look up what episodes are like not it that'll like make me upset and then I'm gonna avoid those but I've just been like watching it and thinking like what a good actress Jennifer Aniston is and how interesting it is to me that that canon of actresses who are more like rom-com focused actresses Reese Witherspoon Kate Hudson even like Julia Roberts and then like Vince Vaughn and like all of those people who are in all of the like best rom-coms I feel like Cameron Diaz, I feel like they're just not taken as seriously as actors who do dramas and like dramedies and stuff like that. And it's so sad to me because I'm like, she's an amazing actress. Like in general, she is a phenomenal actress, Jennifer Aniston, and she deserves more credit than she gets. Like, I feel like she just is like, it's just like, oh, well, she's just like a romantic comedy, like she does like easy stuff. She does like funny, like light stuff. And I'm like, no, she's like a really talented actress. And just because something is like lighthearted or funny or like a romantic comedy doesn't mean that it doesn't require talent. And she's incredible. So thought that I would mention that because I'm really liking this. I had no idea that it was based off of like the actual situation that happened with Matt Lauer on the Today Show. And I really like don't remember that happening. Um, I just don't remember being like super, I remember it happening, but I don't remember being super tuned into it. So I went back, this is such a journalism centric episode now, but I went back and I watched the clip of Savannah Guthrie and Hoda like announcing that they had found out five minutes ago that Matt Lauer had been fired due to counts of sexual misconduct in the workplace. Oh my God, what a terrible thing for them to have to deal with and what a terrible weight to put on their shoulders. Like, cause the morning show, like not to spoil it, it, I watched one episode, but it's literally based on that situation. And like the first few scenes, like, really emulate what happened that morning at the Today Show. Anyway, I highly recommend it if you're interested in news at all. And like, it kind of low-key makes me miss the newsroom, like seeing like the hustle and bustle of a newsroom and everything else. And Reese Witherspoon is just a doll. So I have been enjoying that. And that is what I've been watching. I went to the Jonas Brothers concert last night. And let me just tell you, I don't think I knew Joe Jonas was like packing that much talent. Let's not talk about his looks for a second, okay? Um, was nobody going to tell me that he has the voice of a literal goddamn fucking angel? I'm sorry. Kevin and Nick were not giving and they could have been tired and like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Both of them seemed like they didn't want to be there and that's fine. Live your truth. Like I probably wouldn't want to be there either. Um, you guys have like families and wives and probably are moved on and it's like the end of a tour, whatever. I get it. They seemed checked out. Joe Jonas left it all on the stage. Now, given he's a single man, he's definitely trying to get back out there. He's trying to like have this reputation of being this like hot single guy. Like that's for sure clearly happening. Like I saw it happening. It was obvious to me. That being said, 
boy, was he playing the part well. And holy fuck, can the man sing? I, for some reason, thought that he was, like, not a singer as much as, like, Nick was a singer. I thought, like, okay, our singer is Nick and Kevin, like, kind of vibes and, like, plays the guitar. And then, like, Joe is, like, the secondary singer but also another guitarist. Um, No, let's talk about pipes. Let's talk about vocals. I don't think that that was auto-tuned. And it was so fucking amazing. I was guys, I was blown away. Like I was genuinely kept being like, is he actually singing? Is he actually singing? Is he actually singing? Wow. They put on a great show. It's low key, like a fake Eras tour. And that's all I have to say about it. It was really, it was entertaining. There was a lot of nostalgia and I just thought it was lovely. I was, I, I was really enjoying it. Nick, jo- Nick Jonas, like he used to be the one for me. And then I switched to being a Kevin girly because dare to be different. Um, Joe Jonas is, he's a fucking, he's hot. He is capital H hot. I used to not like his like multiple scarves, straight hair look back in the day. I know Demi Lovato was into that. I definitely wasn't. Um, he's blossomed. He's sexy. And yeah, that's all I have to say about that. That was, that was a, a revelation that I had last night for sure. We are talking about one of our favorite partners today, making cooking so much easier for us. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep so you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. It's the holiday season, you guys, and that's just stressful. Like I'm always finding myself not able to grocery shop because I have holiday parties or my friends want to do this, that, or the other thing. And then you're going home and you have extra ingredients and you don't want to be wasteful. So say hello to a stress-free holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. This is going to just help you guys to save time and also make easy, tasty recipes. And it's legitimately foolproof. This way you'll have more time this holiday season to shop for gifts, to sip some hot cocoa, to read your cute little book, to go on some holiday themed dates. Sign up for HelloFresh and get everything you need to whip up a fresh tasty meal delivered to your door. You choose your recipes, select a delivery date and relax knowing that dinner is on the way. I get the food ick so easily and I can say with confidence that HelloFresh is just that. It is so fresh. This past week, I made the one pan smashed black bean tacos for my boyfriend and he absolutely loved them. And he's definitely a tough critic when it comes to tacos because he's from Texas. So Tex-Mex, et cetera, et cetera. So you guys can know with my own endorsement that it's easy, it's fast and it's fresh, which I absolutely love as well. I want to help you guys out to get started with HelloFresh yourself. So you can go to HelloFresh dot com slash miss free that's m-i-s-s free f-r-e-e and use code miss free for free breakfast for life you get one breakfast item per box while the subscription is active that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash miss free with code miss free this is america's number one meal kit you guys go get free breakfast for life i love you You guys left so many great questions about the book that I want to be able to get into them all. But first, I wanted to start out by saying thank you guys so, so much for being a part of this incredible journey with me from the very beginning when I signed with my literary agents all the way up until today. It has been nearly two years and it has been the best two years of my life. I'm so grateful. I I can't even believe that we're here. Like I'll explain a lot of the emotions that I've been going through, but I just know that the only reason that I'm here is because of all of you. And my gratitude is absolutely 100% like forever. I'm, I'm indebted to you. My gratitude is overflowing and I, I just love you guys so, so, so much. And I'm so, so thankful for you. 
I've definitely said this before to you guys, but it's hard for me. I don't know if this would be considered imposter syndrome, but it's hard for me to wrap my head around this happening. I don't know what I thought it would feel like, but I've never had something that I dreamed about for my whole entire life happen. I feel like that's not normal. You know, like when you dream about something your whole entire life and then it happens, like I I have also not had the experience of like when you dream about visiting somewhere for your whole entire life and then you go and it's like super out of body and you can't believe you're seeing it with your own eyes. Like I've watched people have that realization, but I've never had that dream. So I've never had it play out. Like my only real dream was to like be a published author. So now I'm sitting here like, well, what the fuck is happening? How is this happening? And I don't think it's imposter syndrome because it's not this feeling of like, I'm not worth it. Cause I've definitely like gotten over that hump. It's more of this feeling of like, how is this happening to me right now? And like, is this for real? And like, oh my God, it is for real. And how am I going to handle this? And how am I doing it? And is this happening? Like, it's just a loop in my head of like, what's happening. And honestly, I've defaulted to sort of like a numbness and I feel like that will wear off. I feel like I'm going to feel a lot of emotions on the 12th, especially considering we're having the live show and everything. But I feel like I'm just feeling like, I don't want to say numb per se, but just like blacked out in a way. Like I can't even conceptualize what's happening. And I just feel like, I don't want to be like, I've been working so hard, but like really like I have poured everything into this book. Like the marketing plans and and the entire live show like I have an incredible team working with me but like I am the one that has been putting all of this together with so much help but at the end of the day I'm just so tired and all I've thought about is the book that I can't even conceive that it's actually going to come out and it's going to happen and I think it'll hit me when I see you guys reading it Because right now, like I have tons of copies of it and it's like, it's living. It's a real thing in my life. But I'm just like so incredibly shocked that it's happening that I can't even conceptualize it. I also feel like once I do the live show on 1212, I'll have a better idea of what's to come for the live shows in January, February, and March, which I'm so excited about. If you want to come see me in any cities, tickets are available. Uh, Boston is sold out, but we still have tickets in Chicago, Nashville, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, Austin, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, God, I forgot some Philly, DC. I think that's everything. Um, I'm so excited. I'll also be in New Jersey at my childhood bookstore on the 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. for a free book signing. So I'll be around. I'm really excited to see you guys and meet you guys. And like, it's going to be fantastic. So I think without further ado, we will get into some of these amazing questions that you guys left me because I'm so lucky that you've left me such incredible questions about the book. Okay, so the first one is, which chapter was the easiest and hardest to write? I think I've said this before, but just to reiterate, the chapter that was the hardest to write was Rules for Heartbreak, but it was not difficult because I currently like miss any of those people. To be honest, like I've had no contact with any of my exes, save the one that I ended in a good relationship with, but we really didn't have any contact. Like we've just maybe chatted like once or twice, maybe like a year ago, but we're just on like good terms. I haven't talked to any of them. I don't even know them. I don't even know the version of myself that dated them. So it's not like I'm mourning those relationships, but more mourning the version of myself that was in those relationships and the decisions I made and the feelings I was feeling. Going back into all of that and thinking of it from this perspective as somebody that you know, wished that she could guide that version of me was just difficult, but it wasn't necessarily hard. It was just challenging, but also therapeutic. And I wouldn't, I don't regret any of those choices that I made at all. I just think it's more so like, 
morning versions of myself. And I would say the easiest chapter to write was probably just writing about my friends because I love them so much and they are so fabulous to me and they are so, I don't know, they're so just like inspiring. I have the most inspiring friends. It's one of my favorite chapters and it was definitely the easiest chapter to write. And so that's definitely the easiest one. Okay. Question two, what was the process of creating the cover like? So I came into the cover process with a Pinterest board and they actually asked for that. They asked for like what kind of like vibe I was going for, or if I had an idea. And of course I had an idea because I'm, that's who I am. So I showed up with a Pinterest board and then they sent some covers over with a designer that they were working with who works at HarperCollins that that we were assigned to for the cover. And then we gave feedback and then they took it back and then we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. At some point we had a broken candy heart and it just didn't feel like my book. And I, I kept being told by my team, like when you see the cover that is your book, like you're going to know. And so I hopped on a meeting with my agents because at this point we were really coming down the wire and I was being intense about the cover. Like I was so serious about making this cover as perfect as it could possibly be. And we were talking about it and they were like, well, what do you think like the book is really about? And I was like, I think like the main message of the book is that as you go through relationships in your life and you have your heart broken and you lose friends and you make friends and you lose people, you can sometimes feel like you're stuck or lost or you've lost yourself, but it's impossible to lose yourself. You're all you really have. And when I said that, we were like, well, then why isn't it a broken heart? It should be a bunch of broken candy hearts in the shape of a formed heart. And then we found an image online. We tried to find out if it had been licensed before. It hadn't. So we asked if HarperCollins could purchase it. They did. And then we were like, where the broken candy heart is on this cover, can we have this image? But then can we have these colors? And they messed around with that and showed us a bunch of options with a bunch of different colors. And then we chose from there. Initially, I knew I wanted pink and red. So I'm really glad that we ended up with pink and red. But I also, for a while like was kind of anti-yellow, but now I'm so pro the yellow. I think it was the best surprise of the whole thing. The other best surprise is that I didn't have a say in what the hardcover looked like. So not the book's jacket, but like the actual physical hardcover. It's like this nice turquoise blue and it has a metallic pink spine. I'm in love with it. And that's what's crazy about the book is that like I was in every single decision for the cover, I was vocal and there. But then with the actual hardcover, I didn't have a say and I absolutely love it. So it all worked out exactly how I wanted it to and how we wanted it to. And I think it's I think it's beautiful and I hope you guys like it. And so that was the process of the cover. Okay, next one. Did you change your mind a lot while writing or did you always know what you wanted your book to be? I don't think anybody's ever asked me this before. I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted the book to be. And I don't think that I ever actively changed my mind, but instead, as I was going through review processes with like my editor and my agents, I think they said things and gave critical feedback that caused me to change my mind. And I think that that's the point of an editor or just any sort of collaborator in general is that their constructive feedback and criticism will ultimately cause you to make changes as you see best fit. And that was the amazing part about that process. I think I was pretty steadfast in knowing what the book was going to be. And also I had pitched this book with like a, like a 60, 70 page book pitch. And so we had really fleshed out what the book was going to be before. And HarperCollins bought the book on the basis of what it was going to be. So it had a clear trajectory when I started, which is very helpful. And we had a, like a bones outline in addition, which is also really helpful. But I think that 
I changed my mind as I collaborated with people. And I think that's really the beauty of collaboration. Okay. You guys are asking if there's going to be any Canadian or Ann Arbor tour dates. As of right now, I don't have anything planned. I don't have anything else like coming out of the woodworks randomly. And I would say that until March, just hang tight. I'm hoping to get to Ann Arbor for some kind of an event um, that is book related. I don't think it's going to be a full-blown live show, but we're going to do our best to get to Ann Arbor for you guys at some point. And then in terms of Canada and abroad, I would love to do Canada and London one day, but definitely not right now. I just think I need to see how things go in the US and how I like touring. So definitely, definitely stay tuned. All right. Do you word vomit everything or do you edit as you go? I do a little bit of both. So I will word vomit everything for a few pages and then I go back and read it, edit as I go, and then I will keep going. I think sometimes when you're writing long and even when you're writing a personal essay, it's not that you'll lose your train of thought. It's that your train of thought will just be like doing its own thing and you'll sometimes need to be like, okay, but where did I begin and where was I going with this in the beginning? And that really helps me. So I take breaks periodically throughout writing a chapter, a sentence, um, a paragraph, whatever it is. I'll go back and I'll literally read the former three pages or I'll read the entire thing. I do that often because I just think like, if I'm still making changes every single time I read it, I need to read it more. And I feel like when you read more than you write, you're really strong. You become a really strong writer. So I definitely sort of edit as I go. I've never written something, like I've never written 10 pages and not been actively rereading it while I was writing. So I would say, I don't know if that answered the question well, but I'm definitely somebody who edits as I go, I think. And that's, and that's that. Okay. Somebody said, are you going to write any more books after this? 100%. I'm so excited. The really cool thing is that my pitch for my second book is already done because that's just the way the cookie crumbles with publishing. And that's something that I had no idea about, but I was told this is what we're doing and this is what we did. So that's in the works and we'll see what happens with that. I'm very, very excited. I truly cannot wait to get back to writing another book. I feel like I finished writing this book over a year ago and it's just been promo and press and planning and I love all of that stuff and I'm so immensely grateful, but I am my happiest self when I'm working on a long-term writing project and so I'm definitely going to write more books. I don't know how many more books in this style, but I'll definitely be continuing to write, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, I want to write for television, I want to write for the theater, I want to do it all and I think that I will. I will speak that into existence for the rest of my life. And I'm just so immensely grateful and privileged to say that I get to do this with my life. It's such a pinch me thing, but I think definitely, definitely there will be a future of, of more books. And I am anxiously awaiting the day that I can tell you more. Alrighty. Did you ever feel low energy in the writing process or struggle to find the words? I definitely ran into a little bit of writer's block and I wouldn't say like week long writer's block. It was more like I would approach a chapter and be like, I, I'm not jiving with this. We're not in rhythm. When I write, I feel like I get into rhythm with my words and my subjects and I'm, my characters. And I'm like, okay, I'm in it. I'm, I'm sort of like, this is a dance. We're working together. Sometimes I just felt like that wasn't happening and I would need to just go back, reset, reframe, reread, or just push through until I could find that rhythm and then be actively rereading as I went in order to make sure that I was not just like writing to push through, but writing because I was looking for that rhythm. And then once I found it, I could go back and incorporate that rhythm throughout. So I would say I didn't feel... 
I didn't feel intense writer's block, but there were definitely days that I felt low energy and there were days that I felt better. And I think on those days where I felt great and inspiration had really struck, I would capitalize on that. And I would really focus on those days and I would be like, okay, we're going for it full on today. I'm going to write a lot today because I'm feeling amazing today and I need to capitalize on every amazing day. Okay, we are talking about a partner that is so near and dear to my heart. They say the holidays aren't so much about gifts as they are about spending that good quality time with your loved ones, but we can combine both by gifting your loved ones unforgettable theatrical experiences that you can enjoy together. Now, don't stop listening and be like, oh, I'm not a theater kid, blah, blah, blah. Anybody can enjoy the theater. Listen to me. Anybody can enjoy the theater, especially when you can get a amazing deal like 40% on theater tickets off by using today ticks. Today ticks is your ticket to entertainment with the best value on tickets to Broadway and beyond. I have told you guys this already, but I used today ticks my entire like adolescence, like all of high school when I would come into the city to see shows today ticks. When I was a broke college student, when I was an intern in New York today ticks, Every single Broadway show I've seen for the very most part has been in some way from Today Ticks. And I think about Today Ticks every single time I see theater. They've got some amazing holiday programming in cities across the country and the world. So it's perfect if you're traveling for the holidays and you want to see some theater. Guys, I'm always recommending shows. Wicked, Town, Hamilton, you name it, they have it. I'm really looking forward to seeing Hamilton again because I recently watched it on Disney Plus. So if I was going to shop on Today Ticks, I would shop for Hamilton. I would take my boyfriend because he really wants to go. But I am forcing you all to go instead for now. So you guys can go to todayticks.com slash miss, M-I-S-S, and use promo code miss to get $20 off your first Today Ticks purchase. And there are plenty of tickets being sold there for like $40. So that's basically half off. That's promo code miss, M-I-S-S, at todayticks.com slash miss. Happy theater, jazz hands. Love you. Okay. Someone said, when and how did you tell your family and friends you were writing a book and were there any good reactions? So most people in my life knew that this was what I was working on because I was so transparent about it online. Um, But of course, like the way that it works is that you take your book pitch or your full manuscript, depending if it's fiction or nonfiction or whatever else, with your agents, and your agents send it out to a bunch of publishers. And then if the publishers read it and they like it, they'll ask for a meeting. And then you go to your meetings and each person tells your agents whether or not they want to buy the book and what their offer will be, which is in advance. And then if more than one person wants to offer on the book... Then it goes to auction where they have until a certain day and time. So mine was like Tuesday at 10 a.m. to get their offer in, meaning their like monetary advance. And then I had the rest of that day, that Tuesday to choose who I was going to go with. And I didn't have to go with whoever gave me the most money. Um, It's just like whatever the author wants. So on that Tuesday, I had three people offer on the book. And so it went to auction. And on that Tuesday, I was working out at my parents' house and I thought that I had a little more time, but they got the offers in early. So my agents started to FaceTime me while I was on the treadmill and I was at my parents' house for an appointment. So my parents knew that I was getting this call and that I was going to find out. So I went upstairs and I FaceTimed them and they told me on the FaceTime that they had written down the advance number that they really wanted to get. 
and we got it, which is crazy. And that is just such proof. Like, put it out into the universe, write it down. They were like screaming at me and, and dancing up and down. And I immediately knew that I wanted to sign with my editor at HarperCollins. That's what I was hoping for. And it all worked out. And then I went downstairs and got to tell my parents. And that was really amazing. I also called my boyfriend and he left the office and I got to tell him. And that was awesome. My brothers, I think I called them. And then I just told my friends, but I've kept a lot of it like to myself because I just feel like, I don't know, it's not like you don't need to like tell every single person like in your personal life. Like some people are allowed to find out through the internet or when they ask or things of that nature. So I didn't like call everybody, but I did call my brothers, my boyfriend, my parents. And then I told my roommates and then other friends who had just like slowly found out. But it was, it was honestly one of the greatest days. I literally remember the feeling and I'll never forget it. And I just can't wait. I, I just can't wait for more people to have the experience of like their dream comes true and like what that feels like because it's so special and I just want to bottle it up and I want everybody to have it um, in perpetuity forever. Somebody wants to know, will there be guests at the LA show? My answer is there will be guests at every show, at least two, sometimes three. And there's going to be a mix. You're going to see everybody from my personal life scattered around different cities. You're going to see content creators, both native and not native to the city that I'm in. And it's going to be incredible. I've already said that um, Girl Boss Town, Robin Del Monte and Marley Diaz will be the guests at the Boston show. And I announced that because it sold out. So I figured I might as well. You guys know about the New York guests and I'm still working on guests for other cities. But if you have any really strong recommendations, like you're from Atlanta and you know a creator that you love there, I would love to hear about it because I really want to lift up voices and, and just interact with people. And I'm so excited. I have like some literary guests at certain cities and it's just going to be awesome. So there are going to be guests at every city. Okay. Somebody said, how did you first start writing? Was it a lot of brainstorming? How do you start? So I had an outline and I really do recommend outlining. Everybody's different. And I think that's the beautiful thing about meeting so many authors and learning about their process. It's like everyone's different. But for me, it was a total outline. I outlined every single chapter and an outline to me just honestly looked like a list of notes under the chapter. What was the thesis? What were the things I was trying to get at? What are some experiences I could pull from my own life? What were some things I read when I went through all my phone notes from college and all my journals from college that came up that would fit well in that chapter? What were some stories that would fit well in that chapter? And I kept my outline near me at all times while I was writing. And then when I would go and write a chapter, I didn't do word counts. Um, a lot of people do like word count goals. I did chapter goals. So when I went to go sit down and start a chapter, I would also outline it in writing on a piece of like lined paper um, right next to my right next to my computer. So I had it in writing. Also, sometimes when I write things down, different inspiration comes up and comes out. And then once I felt pretty well outlined for the chapter, I would just begin. And if I thought of other things throughout my writing process for the other chapters that I wanted to add back into that chapter, I would like go into the outline and highlight it in yellow and be like, oh, add this to this chapter. So I think keeping organized is definitely something that I highly recommend and finding an outline process that works really good for you. Um, the other thing that I recommend is writing everything down that happens to you. And I know that's sort of a heavy lift, but I was always writing things down in college. And I'm so grateful to that version of myself because I have all of the firsthand accounts of all of the things I explained in the book. So even if I've had so much distance and time away from those emotions, I have all, all of them written down in such detail. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for my journaling habit that, that that happened because I really had so much to go off of when I was brainstorming. 
and when I was sitting down and beginning. And I think like a lot of things, you just have to start. And that feels so scary because once you open the door, you're like in the room and the door closes behind you and there's no way to like undo what you've already done. But be brave enough to start. I think you'll thank yourself and I think you'll actually excite yourself about the project and about what's to come with it. And I love that. Okay, I'm not doing these in order. I'm so sorry. I'm just reading them off my phone. But will we get to meet you at all the other locations or just on 1212? Every single show has a meet and greet included. Every single ticket at every single show. 1212 is special because the tickets include books. But if you want to bring your book, I'll be happy to sign it. You can also add a book on with the tickets at checkout. So if you don't have one already and you want to get one at the show, you can do that as well. But everybody will meet me. And that's so exciting. I'll meet everybody. And I, I'm so excited. Okay. How do you find your writing style? I think it's a lot about impulse. I read something once that said when your family starts to hate the things that you write, you know that you're doing a good job. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think what they mean by that is when you're being 100% truthful, authentic, and honest to your lived experience through your words, even if it's fiction, because you have to pull from somewhere. You have to have inspiration from something that's when you're starting to do something right. And I cannot stress how much I agree with that. When you are when you are just going with your gut feeling and you're letting that gut feeling take you on the page, like you are moving with those impulses and it's so hard, right? Because you want to fabricate and you want to hide behind it and you don't always want to be 100% truthful. But I think starting there, and even if that's like a journal exercise, just like writing your truth, writing it down. It's sometimes so helpful to see the scary things in writing. And it's sometimes so scary to write them too. But I would say like, I'm not telling you, you have to give your full life story away. I just think when you write from a place of authenticity, truth, realness, and like gut instinct, it's so gritty and good. And also notice what other writing that you gravitate toward, because that could mean that that's the style that you want to emulate or a style that you want to get stronger in. Notice what kind of writing and, and what authors that you love and admire and, and styles of writing that you, you're inspired by. Because I think then sometimes you can learn from them too by reading, which is so lucrative. And I absolutely love that. All right. What was the first section you wrote for the book? I actually went in order. Yeah, I went in complete order. There was a couple times that I was having trouble in a chapter and I would like stop midway and start the next chapter just so I was like at least getting like an entire chapter done. Even if it wasn't the same chapter, I would do half of one, half of the other and then go back to the one before. But I did it all in order. So the first chapter that you read is the first chapter that I wrote. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did that. I could see myself going back or if I had to do it again, maybe not doing that and like more so writing the chapters that spoke to me the most, but I went in order and I'm glad I went in order because it feels chronological when I think about it now. And yeah, that's, that's a good feeling. Okay. How did you choose what to include and what not to include? I'm very lucky that I have a team of editors and agents and people around me that helped me to decide what to include and what not to include. I write long, and so I wrote way more than what is included in the book, including two chapters that were cut. And that was just a conversation of like, is this necessary for this book right now? And it's so hard when it's your own personal stories to get your head out of your ass and be like, no, this is not a necessary story to tell. So it was helpful to have unbiased third parties be like, this is not for this book. This is for your next book. And that's what happened with one of the chapters that got cut. And then um, in addition to that, like 
certain characters or certain stories I might have thought were so imperative to the story, but that's because I lived the story and they were imperative to me. But that doesn't really make them imperative to the story as it relates to people reading it and what we are trying to get them to take away from it. So I would say that I didn't necessarily choose what to include and what not to. It was more my team and I'm very grateful for them and to have such a strong female empowered team behind me who was editing with me the whole entire way. Okay, someone asked what other titles were in the running besides I didn't know I needed this. Love that. None. And that's crazy. The vast majority of books, whatever they're titled in their pitch is not what they end up getting published as. Like the vast, vast majority of authors will say like, oh, we pitched my book as this and then we changed the title to this. And I didn't know I needed this had like was potentially could have been changed because when you sell a book as the name of whatever it is, it, it could be changed like before it's published. Um, it was decided that I didn't know I needed this would be the name because we were in a brainstorming meeting for titles and my agents were like, we think that the title should come from a DM or a comment that you get a lot. And so we read through thousands of DMs and comments and we wrote down a bunch of things that came up more than once. And our favorite thing that came up more than once is I didn't know I needed this. And something is so special about that to me because it's like you guys titled the book and that's so fucking cool. Like, come on, what's cooler than that? I absolutely love it. Okay. I'd love to hear the story of the first time you ever thought I want to be a writer. I don't remember. And I just think all I remember is knowing that I wanted to be a writer my whole life. Like as the tiniest, littlest, cutest peanut of six years old, I wanted to be a writer and I was writing stories and telling stories and had this like, like intense imagination about, about the world. And I just, I've never not wanted to be a writer, but I remember in college sitting in a class being like, I need to do this with my life being like, there's no choice. I will do this with my life. I won't forgive myself if I don't do this with my life. This is my life's, this is what I need to do with my life. And that class was called immersion journalism taught by Jeremiah something at Michigan. And he's still there. So definitely take that class if you're at Michigan, because that was a class that I sat in saying, I need to do this with my whole entire life. And I'm very, very, very grateful for that. Okay. How to get over comparing your writing to other writers slash self-doubt. Okay. I was on live the other day and somebody was like harassing me being like, how do you deal with all the bad writing out there? And I was like, I don't really believe in bad writing. And they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I believe in bad grammar, but like art is art. Art is entirely subjective. Somebody's favorite book in the world could be my least favorite book in the world. And my favorite book in the world could be somebody's least favorite book in the world. It is. It probably is. Somebody abandoned my favorite book and it's my favorite or my favorite poem somebody doesn't like. I don't really believe in bad writing. And I don't think that we do ourselves much of a service by comparing our writing to other writers. Your writing is unique because it is individually yours. Those words are something that you came up with out of your brain and they're based on your lived experiences and you're pulling from your own moments of inspiration and that is so special. And I think it is so special that other authors are doing that as well. And especially as women, we need each other. And comparing ourselves to one another is just a surefire way to go against what we need. 
We need each other. We need community. We need to stand together as women in the arts and as female creatives. And I always just remind myself of that. Whenever I feel myself like comparing myself, I'm always just like, this isn't worth it. It's tired. And I know that that's a little bit silly to just be like, I just tell myself not to. But I really just dial it back and remember that my writing is unique because it is mine and their writing is unique because it is theirs. And that is such a beautiful thing. That is such a beautiful thing that we all get to create. And when you compare yourself to other writers, the only thing you're doing is taking time away from your own craft. And this is something that you love. This is something that you feel deeply inside of you. And your only choice is to keep going. And so you wouldn't want to waste any time, right? Speaking of, somebody said, I want to take writing more seriously, but don't know where to start. And I feel that. Write every single day, five minutes at night, five minutes in the morning. Write about yesterday, write about tomorrow, write about something that you saw today, write about literally anything right for five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. In order to be a serious writer, you just have to fucking write. And that's a little scary, right? Like that's a little intense. It's like, okay, the only thing I have to do is like get to it. And that's true. And it's an isolating process and it's a very meta process and it can be anxiety inducing and being creative at any level can be stressful. But the only way to get started and to just truly let go is to just fucking write. In order to be a writer, you have to fucking write. And I know that you're probably like, okay, trust me. Once you start doing it and you get it in your body, you're going to gain more confidence with your words. You're going to gain more confidence in your practice. You're going to gain more confidence in your routine. And the next thing you know, you're going to be applying to fellowships. You're going to be applying to contests that you find online. You're going to be applying to internships or places to get clips or to freelance. Gaining more confidence in writing is all about the practice of doing it and making it into a habit. Start small. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. I know you can do it. It is so apropos that in this very special book-themed episode, we will be talking about one of our new partners, Book of the Month. You guys, Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging offers. By offering just a few new selections each month, they cut the clutter, save members time, and make it so easy to decide on your book. You can really discover so many new authors, and it's kind of fun. Like You basically sign up to get a gift every month, and they also have the best prices on new release hardcover fiction, which we love, as well as free shipping and a loyalty rewards program. It's so special to me, Book of the Month, because each month the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from and all the books are good. You really can't go wrong and it really helps you to find new authors, find a new favorite book. It's fun. It's much cheaper than other options. The shipping is always free and it literally rocks. I've been so excited about getting my book of the month because I'm like, oh my God, there's a surprise coming in the mail for me. Like a book absolutely transports me. It changes my day. Reading is self-care and I love taking care of myself through book of the month. So you guys are obviously going to sign up because reading is good for you. And I have an amazing code for you guys. You guys can head to bookofthemonth.com, pick a book and join book of the month. And for a limited time, you can join and get your first book for just $5 with code sweater. So let's think about this. Not only are you getting a $5 book, it will be shipped to you free. Guys, sprint, don't walk. That's book of the month dot com five dollars code sweater happy reading love you somebody asked adorably what is your favorite part of your writing routine and process and my favorite part is when I finish a sentence and I feel out of breath 
because I had been working up to getting that idea across and I did it in a way that just fucking sound like, sounds like hitting a bell, hitting an iron bell. Like, it's just like a clarity, like a deep, I just feel all of a sudden, like I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath because I literally ran a marathon to get, to get to this sentence. And I'm now here and I just sit with it for a second and I'm all by myself. And I'm the only one feeling that emotion about my words in that moment in time, because I'm the only one that's read them too. I love being alone with my words. I don't even like being alone in general. Like, and I don't feel like I'm alone right now, even though I'm by myself recording this because I'm talking to all of you. I love being alone with my words. And so I would say that's probably my most favorite part. Okay. How did you like working with your editor? Did you pick them or how did that come to be? So similarly to the process I was explaining with the auction, I had met with all three editors from all three places, all three publishing companies that that offered on the book. And I picked my editor because she was in my age range. So she's she's a upper Gen Z young millennial. And I just felt like she really got it. I also feel like she balanced me really well in the meeting. And I know we'd only met for a minute, but I just felt like out of all three choices and they were all wonderful, by the way. I was like, okay, this is somebody who gets what I'm trying to do here. And that to me was, was really exciting. I was like, she gets it. Also, they say that whatever publishing company offers you the most money is the one willing to take the biggest risk for you. And you have to consider that. So you're not necessarily considering, oh, they gave me the most money. It's, well, they're, they're putting their ass on the line for you. You know what I mean? Because an advance payment is them saying, we anticipate recouping this amount from your book. And that's a huge investment and a huge risk to take on somebody. But you got to go with the people who take the risk on you. And that was another thing. They took a risk on me. And I, I love that. And it makes me feel, I don't know, crazy. I just can't believe it. To this moment, I can't believe it. It's, it's just wild. Okay. Will the book be available on Kindle? It'll be available on Kindle and it'll be available on audiobook. And that, that's exciting. That's cool, right? Like so many different ways to read and ingest Obviously, I'm partial to the hard copy, but I recorded the audiobook myself. And people are asking what my least favorite part of the process was. It might have been that. Only because it was quite tedious. It was just me alone with one person in a recording studio. It took like 15 to 20 hours overall. And it was very, very tiring. Um, but I'm not, in no way am I ungrateful for the experience. I just think if I had to pick one part that I wouldn't want to do over again, it would probably be that. Yeah. Best books to read when becoming a writer. Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. All you need to know is that's one of the best books to read when you're wanting to become a writer and let her do the rest of the work because she's fascinating and I love her. All right. Did you ever have times when you just didn't write? Yes. And I write about those times in the book and you're so close to getting to read about that. But yes, I did. And I think you can consider yourself a writer if you take long periods of time or short periods of time where you don't write. And there could be a variety of reasons why you don't write. It could be that you just don't have the time. It could be that you've been going through something and you don't have the emotional space. It could be that you are incredibly busy or that you are shifting your focus to something else for the time being and all of that is valid. I now that this is like my life and career and whatever, I'm doing it all the time. I found there are times in my life, like 
the summer of 2019 and the summer of 2018, I was writing every single day consistently. And that was awesome. Obviously now I'm writing every single day consistently and that's awesome. But there are so many times that I could point out in my life that I was not writing every single day and consistently and the feeling would strike and I would do it and I would feel like I was home again. And I would remember my God, this is your favorite thing to do in the world. And then I would go back to it again. So I I do want to acknowledge though, there were so many times that I, there were so many times that I wasn't writing consistently throughout my life. And yeah. Do you think you'll rent office space for the next book? What a question. Huh. That's a really good question. You're actually causing me to think about that right now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at my homework setup right now. Uh, my boyfriend and I are moving to a different unit in this building. It's a two bedroom. So I'm going to have more room to work. So that'll be really, really nice. Just like having more space. I don't know. I might, I might, or I might just make active use of hotel bars. We'll see. I think I need to figure out like what book two looks like. Because book one needed the office space for a variety of reasons. I was living with roommates. I didn't have a great work from home setup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Book two, she's going to be a different, a different gal. And I don't know if she'll want to be written in, a, in an office or at a hotel or in a variety of coffee shops or at home. I think she's going to have to inform me, you know, because I'm not fully, I'm not, I'm not in her yet. The way that I am in, I didn't know I needed this deep. So Maybe that that was a very sexual way to describe, but we'll see. I liked that. I like that. I like that question. How to get over the fear of people reading your stuff. Okay. I don't have the best personal advice for this because I am like a compulsive open book for lack of a better phrase. That being said, I acknowledge how scary it can be to share your truth into the world. It's actually terrifying and that's valid, but imagine yourself as a character Imagine yourself as a character. When you're writing about yourself, you're just a character and you're telling a true story about a character and the character happens to be you, but it's just a character. In terms of writing that isn't about you, I think you just have to remember to not be afraid to be seen trying, which is something Beyonce said in Renaissance documentary. And I loved that. You can't be afraid to be seen trying. Thank you, Beyonce. That's fucking awesome. And not only that, But people are going to say shit about you when you're trying. You know why? Because they're jealous that they're not trying. They're jealous that, that you are out there in the world going after what you want because it is so hard to be seen trying and it is so hard to be brave enough to share your art and the things you are creating because they are so close to you and creating art is so vulnerable. But ultimately, people are going to say shit until you're successful and then they're going to say shit after that and you can't focus on them. There's no use focusing in the small minority of people that might say something negative and you're probably never going to find out if they do because there's a vast, vast opportunity and a space for you to put something into the world that changes someone's life, to put something in the world that makes somebody smile, to put something out in the world that just makes somebody say, wow, I needed this. I didn't know I needed this for lack of a better phrase. I think you just have to remember that the value that you're adding to the world is so much more than whatever somebody might think. And who cares about them anyway, right? Who cares about them anyway? All right. Favorite drink to write with and favorite music to write with. I like listening to Sarah Bareilles and Taylor Swift, but only slow stuff when I write. I'm not huge into classical music. I like lyrics, but I like them to be slow. So like Folklore Evermore vibes for me is good and Sarah Bareilles as well. 
Favorite drink. I love to have like a Chablis at night, like a glass of wine. I love writing at night. I'm a big bar writer. So it's so my vibe. I love it. I would love to go to Paris and write in a bar. Never done that. That can be, add, add that to the list of my dreams. Um, in the day, a coffee probably. Always hydrate too, like water. I get dehydrated when I write because sometimes I'll just not drink. Like I'll just be like so zoomed into something, trying to craft a sentence or a paragraph or fix a chapter and I'm so locked in. And that's the only time I'm really like hyper-focused. Like I'm never more focused than when I'm writing and I won't even drink. So I'm always having like a big water nearby for like chugs. You know what I mean? Like I've got a drink. <laughs> I've got a drink. Somebody said, how do you like remember to keep track of events and write essays as you go for future projects? At the end of every day, put it in your calendar, write about the day, write about what happened today. You might not remember every day, but just think about it. Think about it or do it every week. But I personally think every day is better than every week. As you're going and as things happen, write it in your phone notes. As you have an interesting conversation that makes you say, oh, that's so interesting. I want to explore that more through my art. Write it down. Every single night, write down what happened. Write down what you did. It can be four sentences, five sentences. If nothing happened to you, say nothing happened. I watched this show. I didn't think anything of it. Great. We know what you did. We don't need that for the future book. Or maybe we do. Maybe we want to write notes on monotony. I mean, somebody write that book. That book might already be out there, but that's a good fucking title for a book. Notes on monotony. I like that shit. Anyway, every single day, write down what you did, period. Write down the thoughts that you had. Write down, and it doesn't need to take a long time. It can be in your phone notes. I have over 2,000 phone notes for this very exact reason. Every single day. And don't forget, pin it to the top of your notes as well. You can do that. All right. This is a good last one to end on. If you could describe your book only using Taylor Swift songs, which would you choose? Okay, cheesy, but welcome to New York first. I'm not going to explain. I'm just going to give you them. Wildest Dreams, Clean, Sparks Fly, If This Was a Movie, You're On Your Own Kid. Major fucking emphasis on this one. Bejeweled. 100% Bejeweled. I almost do. God, and that's sad. Dorothea, I'm not going to cry, but Dorothea. Closure. Literally all of Lover. I forgot that you existed. The man, paper rings, death by a thousand cuts. It's nice to have a friend, afterglow, me, the whole fucking thing. There's probably little bits and pieces of every Taylor Swift era within the book, but I'm curious to see what you guys think because the thing that I'm most excited for is to see what takeaways you guys have. I just can't wait. And it doesn't have to be your favorite thing you've ever read in your life. And I'm very aware that it likely won't be for most people. But what I really just want is that there's something in it that you take away and that you think about and that makes you look at the world a little differently or look at yourself a little differently or just feel better. I am so excited. I like actually can't even explain to you how I feel right now and it doesn't feel real. I am forever indebted to each and every single one of you for being a part of this. You named this book. You've been there every single step of the way. And this is as much mine as it is yours. And I cannot say that enough times. I, I like have so few words for how I feel about the fact that we did this as a community other than just like such gratitude. I can't wait to meet you guys on the book tour and I can't wait to continue to give back to you. And I can't wait most of all to one day be able to help other young writers get through the doors that I've been able to get through. 
I recognize how much tremendous privilege I have. And I recognize that there are so many factors that have allowed me to have what I have today. And I can't wait to help you guys, any of you who want to be artists and creatives in the future. And I just hope that you know not to stop going. Don't stop. Please, for the love of God, don't stop creating. It's so important. We need you. And I hope that my book and my story can be a testament to that at the very least. I love you. I love this book. I love us. And I absolutely cannot wait to hear what you think of it. And I will see you next week. And it's going to be a different week. And we're going to be in a new chapter. And we're going to do it together like we do everything. And that's really special. So I love you guys so much. If you ever need anything, you know where to find me. I didn't know I needed this out on Tuesday. What? And I, and I will see you, I'll see you in a bit. I love you guys. Bye.